You're listening to Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser on Bloomberg Radio. All right, everybody, we've got um, a cool 60 minutes coming your way. Uh, two areas that have definitely been impacted when it comes to COVID-19. We're talking about real estate and also retail. We'll get to retail a little bit later on. Uh, but first up, I do want to talk a little bit about real estate. Uh, check out the Bloomberg Barclays REIT Index. It's down about 8% so far this year. We know the real estate industry is grappling with people moving out of cities, working from home, increases in demand for distribution centers and more. There is a lot of churn, if you will. So timely to have back with us, Scott Crow. He is Managing Director and Chief Investment Strategist at Center Square Investment Management. It's a global investment manager focusing on actively managed real estate and infrastructure strategies. And they manage, according to their website, roughly 11 billion in assets for institutional and private investors. And Scott joins us on the phone on this Tuesday. And I believe you're in Philadelphia. Is that right? Uh, yes, that's where I'm based. Hey, Carol, good to be with you again. Yeah, great to have you here. How are you? I've been good. It's been a while. Lots happened yeah. since uh, we last spoke, and uh, it's had a, had a lot of ramifications for real estate because real estate at its heart is, uh, you know, where people meet, congregate, and you know how how everything sort of happens in the world. And a lot of that's changed. Some of it, you know, temporary. Some of it probably permanent. Well, let's get into that, Scott. What do you think is temporary? Like, let me throw something at you. Working from home, temporary, or it's going to be around forever, or at least for a long time. All right, both, right? So here are the stats. Um, Prior to COVID, the average utilization of an office asset was 4.6 days out of five a week, right? Now, right now, it's going to be down to like one, one and a half. And and where where does that end up sort of post-COVID, post-vaccine? It's probably somewhere in the middle, three to, I would say three to four days a week. And the reason for that is that what COVID's, forced us to do is pick up and utilize a lot of technologies that we've we've had in the past mm-hmm. uh, but haven't been forced to use and really explore and it's also broken down some so- social norms as it relates to sort of zooming it in or calling it in um, and so I think some of those habits are going to stick because what we've learned is that we can be efficient working from home and there, there may be a different balance and so that doesn't mean office is you know, obsolete, but it does mean that it probably translates to a call it a 15% demand shock to office demand. And that is going to have ramifications for office, particularly older stock Mm. um, on a permanent basis. And I think what's more temporary is, you know, the shutdown of major urban centers like, you know, New York and uh, San Francisco and, and other places, because I say that because the uh, the big pain point there is a little less the density of the office. It's a density of the transportation. Like MTA ridership is, is tracking about 30% of what it was a year ago, for instance. And, and that's the thing we've got to solve. And we'll probably solve it in the next sort of six to 12 months. Yeah, because I have to say, we just did the Bloomberg New Economy Forum. And one of the things we talked about, one of the pillars is, is cities and just had a whole day of conversations about that. And, you know, one of the things that came up was that concept of 15 uh, minute cities where basically you're in a major urban area and you can get to everything you need in 15 minutes. And, you know, people, people, and we've talked about demise of cities before. People love cities. I love a city. My daughter, who is a 17-year-old, loves a city and plans to go, you know, that's where she wants to ultimately live. So I feel like that pushback against cities, um, you know, we've heard it before and it's not going to happen, but that doesn't mean the way we use our urban space doesn't change. Right. Absolutely. And look, 
you know, the death of cities is being, you know, talked about, as you said, for a long time. But look, think about it. You know, cities have gone through riots and plagues and wars and, you know, over eons. And they've always come back to, you know, not only come back, but they've become more relatively important. And, and why does that matter? Well, density is convenient. It's fun. It's exciting. But it's also efficient and productive. But, you know, COVID is the enemy of density for now, right? Mm-hmm. Which is why those cities have been hit so hard. But interestingly, if you look at the apartment space in Manhattan as a very good leading indicator, look, rents are down 15% on the year. Um, you know, uh, um, concessions have increased. But we've already seen about a 30% for the month of October, a 30% increase in applications for apartments in Manhattan. And as you were alluding to before with your daughter, the, 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 the people that are coming back the soonest are the young people yep. uh, and they're, they're taking a, a bite of the apple pun intended and, and, you know, nibbling back at New York because they would rather live there. There are more people that want to live in New York than there are apartments. And as the prices have fallen, people are already starting to look through the winter and, and lease space. So what does it mean then for office space? So the, the older buildings, we had a story about New York where they were thinking about some office buildings in Midtown, repurposing it into apartments, essentially. Like what happened to that office space, Scott? Well, one of the things that we've been avoiding at Center Square is older office stock. because, it, And it's generally true across most real estate types today. The way we, we live, work, and play the impact of technology, demographics, preferences, means that the functionality of real estate, the way we use it and value it has really changed. And it's very hard for old uh, stock to compete in any sector, but particularly in office. And there's only so much you can do to an older office asset to bring it up to standard, uh, into a modern standard. And so, you know, a lot of that, if it could be converted to residential, would be fantastic. There's a huge delta in terms of dollar per square foot between the value of residential and office in the favor of residential. Uh, but that's going to take a lot of a lot of time, you know, with the planning departments and, and, and getting the right entitlements. So we'll have to see. I think it has to become probably empty for a while and a bit of an issue. And then you'll see uh, planning laws change and it be able to be repurposed. I mean, a similar argument you could make for the mall space. Talk to us about cold storage, because I think, you know, we are watching what's going on with the COVID-19 vaccine and thinking about, and we've done the stories about the logistics, the infrastructure, everything mm-hmm. that's needed to make sure that that vaccine gets out to the people who need it around the globe. Well, cold storage is a great example of, I think, things that you know, I was just listening to. As you were talking to Charlie, talking about your time at UPS and the way that we're all getting stuff at home, the fact that stocks are uh, are up on the back of everyone buying new PCs and upgrading their hardware because they're working from home. And, and this is basically just highlighting the fact that these niche sectors like cold storage, industrial warehouse distribution, even things like data centers and cell towers, which are, are basically the physical infrastructure fueling all this ability to work from home, is really where the action's at in the real estate market. And so We've been responding to that as our clients have looked to shift away from traditional asset classes like retail and office towards these niche sectors. And one of them is cold storage. In fact, we just made a $160 million investment in uh, Lineage, which is the largest private operator of cold storage in the United States. And why do we do that? Well, it wasn't just vaccine related. The first reason is that as we become more affluent, we are ingesting more fresh goods and less processed, dried, and canned goods. And, and oh, that's interesting. Cold sto- yeah. Yeah. So 
you know, we, whether it's at a restaurant or at home, right? We're eating more fresh. Mm-hmm. And a cold storage asset's basically a huge fridge with a freezer at the back and a fridge at the front. And why that's become even more interesting now with COVID is how do we distribute hundreds of millions of vaccines to people around the United States? And the answer is probably going to be the same way we get our ice cream which is through those cold storage assets. So this is going to become a very important part of the logistics of curing COVID. What's the infrastructure when it comes to cold storage right now? How behind are we? Well, we are, we, we're, we're, ca- we're catching up. I mean, um, Lineage and others have been developing these assets now for, you know, for decades. The big game has been changing how efficient we run these assets. And that's really come down to the use of technology and the ability to run these assets very efficiently. But it has necessitated quietly in the background as we've been building out distribution centers and other, other asset classes, you know, this quiet niche sector of, of cold storage, which are, you know, literally 30 foot high, you know, refrigerators near infrastructure. Uh, if you're driving past New Jersey, uh, it, past the uh, Newark Airport, um, and you're going north, you'll look on your right-hand side, and, and you'll see a couple there, for instance. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, and I do wonder about, I, I, and I have to say, in addition to the vaccine, I find it fascinating what you're saying about that we're all eating more fresh stuff, right? And we also live in a world where seasonally, remember, we used to eat apples at a certain time of the year and peaches at a certain time of the year. But right. because of the global food market, stuff can move around and get to markets, but you need cold storage in order for it to work well. Yeah, you do. And actually, one of the interesting fun facts about COVID is that there's been a huge glut of French fries. Apparently, we eat (laughs) eat a lot more of those at restaurants than we do at home. So the the French fried market is oversupplied in the cold storage world. Well, listen, French fries come with everything. And do you ever say, would you like fries with that? No, of course you say yes. Uh, It makes complete sense. So tell me about your investors at this point. Are they willing to commit new money? Have they been, you know, willing to commit new money? Especially when I think about there's some real estate distressed assets out there, whether it's in the retail world. You know, what are the trends that you think are happening now that are here to stay, and that you're seeing kind of investor move money kind of reflect that? Well, people are very cautious about buying into core real estate today uh, because it's really reflecting a stale valuation. So the first markets to reprice are going to be your liquid markets, your REIT markets, your traded debt markets. And the REIT market's pricing in about a 10% decline in commercial real estate values, which is probably about right. It's very bifurcated, though, between winners and losers. A Sunbelt apartment in, 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 uh, in, in the suburbs, in a place like Phoenix, is worth more today than it was pre-COVID. An industrial warehouse asset is worth more today than it is pre-COVID. And there's big question marks about parts of retail, particularly the mall space. We've seen a number of players uh, file for bankruptcy there. Uh, and, you know, other assets too, like New York apartment, sorry, New York office. Um, and, and so I think people are very cautious about investing into the private space, but what they're doing is investing into those asset classes that have had some price discovery within real estate, which is really REITs and real estate debt. The question is, what is value, right? Mm, it's mm-hmm. going to be very much a K-shaped recovery. Um, it, it's potentially not mean reverting for some areas. So, you know, we continue to be very, very cautious as it relates to, to malls, secondary uh, shopping centers, um, you know, uh, older office stock. Uh, but, you know, what, what, where we have been, uh, I guess, looking for value is in the apartment space. We talked about major cities like San Fran and New York. Right. Those assets will come back. That is more of a temporary phenomena. 
But it's going to be very hard over the next five years to bet against the huge institutional wave of capital that's going to be looking for these growth asset classes like life science, cold storage, industrial warehouse data centers and cell towers. And, and the problem the institutional real estate world has is that they own the best footprint of yesterday and maybe not the best footprint for the next 10 years. And we're responding to that by investing in these, you know, what had been alternative asset classes. But frankly, what's more important to a company today? It's office building or it's data center? Yeah, exactly. Right. It tells something very clearly. Scott, always learn something uh, with you. So thank you so much. Scott Crow. Um, have a good holiday, a safe holiday, and hopefully we can talk with you uh, in the new year as well. Scott Crow, he's Managing Director, Chief Investment Strategist at Center Square Investment Management, joining us on the phone from Philadelphia.